Hello and welcome to the Cambridge Assessment Podcast. I'm Alana Walden and today we're celebrating the International Day of Women and Girls in Science, a day which recognises the critical role women and girls play in science and promotes full and equal access to participation in science for women and girls. As an assessment organisation, we are considering what we can do to support female learners in STEM, science, technology, engineering and maths. Joining me in this discussion are three fantastic women from across the Cambridge Assessment Group, Jill, Anne and Antonia. Hi, I'm Jill Duffy. I'm the Chief Exec um, of our UK exam board, OCR. Um, I was the first female Chief Exec of OCR and really using that role to help support women's education generally, but specifically talking about women uh, in STEM. I should mention that I am not a scientist myself. Uh, I'm an English literature graduate, but I am the proud mum of two young scientists. Um, My older daughter, Laurel, is currently doing um, a PhD in Oxford, and she's made a breakthrough um, in chemistry by creating a ring of 18 carbon atoms, which I think is the first time that that's been created. And my younger daughter, Esme, is currently doing a master's um, in natural science here at Cambridge. Hi, I'm Anne Clark. I'm um, a product manager agile in Cambridge English Assessment, working in our new products development division. I'm working on an app which helps people prepare for their exams, and it's called Exam Lift. It's a new app. And we're developing it in an agile manner. So that means we need to look at the data and use that data to inform what our decisions about the product and what we do next. I have a degree in natural sciences, metallurgy and material science from Cambridge. And I'm a past chair of Cambridge AYS, which is a networking organisation for women working in science and engineering in the Cambridge area. I also, like Jill, have a relative working in science because my husband is a research scientist. Hi, my name is Antonia Zutkemper. I'm a researcher um, at OCR and I previously did my doctor research in psychology, hence I'm a social scientist myself. And uh, my research during the PhD focused on gender equality, specifically um, men and gender equality. But I've also been involved in various other academic and non-academic initiatives focusing on gender equality. Um, Among those projects were also projects on women in science. Um, At the moment, I'm also doing research for OCR um, on the diversity within our examination papers. And I'll be talking um, about that a bit more later. And um, generally, I've always tried to um, make my research and projects quite applied and um, aim to make a contribution towards achieving gender equality. And part of that is having conversations like this one. So I'm very happy to be part of the discourse today. So perhaps we could start with what were each of your experiences of science when growing up? Okay, so for me, um, both my mother and my grandmother were pharmacists, so had science backgrounds. I was at school, um, I was at an all-girls school, and I was good at maths, so the sciences um, were a natural area for me to follow. Um, Some of the memories from growing up was that I was very miffed when my younger brother got the Meccano set for my grandparents on my father's side, not me, because it was me who liked tinkering with things. Um, I worked at Harwell Labs between school and university, Um, and then I think my first real experience of feeling a bit out of place was the physics practicals at the Cavendish where there are a handful of women and a lot of guys who seemed to know what they were doing with the electronics and that was kind of the first thing that made me feel oh I'm not sure if this is for me 
Um, when I graduated, I sort of took stock of the science and felt like there aren't many men working in here. I'm going to have to be plying my own furrow. And that's when I went into IT and went to be a computer programmer because at that time it was a 50-50 graduate intake. Um, so my story is quite different to Anne's. I wasn't actually much involved with science at all until I decided to study psychology at university. Um, our parents raised my brother and me largely gender equal. We were both encouraged to play with boys and girls' toys and engage in any subjects we might have been interested in. But we both ended up with um, quite stereotypically gendered interests and fields of study which I think just shows that there's still um, quite a large societal impact out of the immediate home environment that influences children's interests, such as perhaps the school environment or TV or social media these days. So I remember um, I had pretty good grades at all topics back then, but I still felt like I was struggling with boys' subjects in primary school, probably because I was lacking confidence and because it was made clear to us that this was um, still considered to be a topic for boys. So I remember my um, friend who was really good at math and she was always specifically praised for being good at math despite being a girl. So there was definitely still a lot of stigma around these topics. Okay, um, my experience of science of school, I mean, I really enjoyed it at primary school, but that was all <laughs> actually around what we, I suppose we call sort of natural history now, bringing in various leaves and things like that. Um, at secondary school, I did um, uh, up to 16, I did all the sciences and maths. And then when it came to A-level choices, I can remember my dad really encouraging me to carry on with sciences because he, you know, just kept saying to me, you're not going to get a job if you don't do sciences. <laughs> um, I think when any parent tells a child to do something, they tend to do the opposite. But also, <laughs> I did have a passion for, for literature. I really enjoyed reading. So I ignored my dad's advice. Um, uh, he was an engineer. He, In fact, he left school at 14, but he sort of studied engineering um, at an FE college in 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 the evening, uh, my mum was a primary school teacher, so they they very much you know let me do what I wanted in the end. But I think my dad would be really proud that my my children, his grandchildren, um, have ended up being scientists. What do you think the environment's like for women and girls studying and working in science today? Are there any barriers? Uh, one of the things that I said at uh, Results Day this year was uh, to mark the point actually when we have more girls. Uh, or more young women, uh, studying A-levels in sciences uh, than boys. And I think that's, you know, that that's a really good moment to come to that point. We've still got a bit of work to do in physics, um, but actually across the sciences, there are more young women studying sciences than men for the first time. Um, and I think, you know, we have broken down some of those barriers uh, to um, to girls taking science. What's interesting, though, so we've broken that down in schools, which is great. We've got that pipeline of um, scientists coming through. And actually, when you look at university courses, I think it's about 49% of students stu studying science-related courses are now women. Um, it's after that we still seem we have a problem. So I think it's about 39% at post-grad level um, are women, and that reduces down to 23% of academic staff in universities um, being women. So we've still got quite a lot of work to do across the whole sort of system. We think some of the reasons for that drop-off are to do 
with how academic funding structures tend to bias towards men and towards short-term positions, and you may have to move quite a lot to get those positions, which we know may not be great, especially if you've got childcare um, or caring responsibilities. We also know there's a lot of unconscious bias still, so females in research posts generally earn about fifth less than males, and that gap increases with experience as you get into more senior roles. Um, we know women are underrepresented as authors in high-impact journals, and that's how career progression works in, in, in those fields. Um, and the academic culture, the culture in labs, can be very ca- competitive and hierarchical, and that can put off women wanting to stay in a sort of research scientist career. So there's still an awful lot that we can do. There's a lot we can do in schools as well. Um, but I think a lot of progress has been made, um, and there's still quite a lot that we can do to improve things further. Okay, so um, from women at AWISE, I constantly hear when I was in my 20s, I didn't think there was a problem. Now I'm in my 30s, I can see what the problems are, which very much echoes some of what Jill's been saying about the pipeline. Um, I think it's a lot of the issues are down to the historic environment and the practices. Um, Unlike medical and teaching fields, which have had women in those for longer, I think there's more change needed in that science working environment. There's still um, a need to produce the same number of papers, even if you are taking a career break. Um, You have to do it all. Um, Again, same issues about dual careers and having to move around, which is a lot harder with your family. Um, Again, many of the people I've actually encountered in AYS have come from single-set schools, so there is still something about that mixed education putting girls off the sciences. Um, And another observation is that many of the very successful female scientists have either been single or have had a a husband who's taken the main caring responsibilities. Um, Another thought is that science and IT both constantly change, which is why they are enjoyable and fulfilling. But it also makes it very hard if, like I did, you have a career break, it's very hard to come back because you've got a lot of catching up to do. So, yeah, I agree with um, Anne and Jill that there um, is still a lot of, um, we hear about a lot of anecdotal and statistical evidence that whilst women's situation in science is certainly improving, there's still um, a long way to go. Um, In terms of anecdotes, I'd just like to add one of the most prominent examples from recent years when Nobel scientist Tim Hunt said at a public conference that women are actually a distraction in the lab because they're too emotional and and men tend to fall in love with them. So when we consider that this is um, the opinions that some of our most esteemed educators and researchers hold, it's it's perhaps not surprising that progress is rather slow. And... um, in terms of statistics, um, Jill mentioned some stats, but there's also um, experimental evidence um, showing that women still experience a lot of discrimination in academia and, and, and in the STEM fields um, specifically. So I think it's it's very important to stress that the pipeline of, of girls being interested in this is not the only issue. Um, but of course, in, in OCR and Cambridge assessment, we are focusing on, on schools and hence the pipeline is also where we can make a contribution And there's some interesting um, psychological research related to the pipeline on stereotype threat. So um, stereotype threat is a phenomenon when the awareness of a negative stereotype causes us to perform worse in a particular discipline. And this might be because we're worried um, about personal failure because we think we might actually be bad at this because that's the stereotype. Or we might also be worried that we could confirm the negative stereotype. 
And for women, um, research has shown that it affects us in, in any domain that we are stereotypically considered to be bad at. For example, financial decision making, problem solving, leadership, political knowledge, and of course also math and science. Um, so, for example, there have been studies showing that women and girls underperform on a math test when it was described to them as typically producing gender differences and also when their gender identity had been made salient just before um, they took the test. Whilst at the same time, when these women and girls were not made aware of this um, this gender difference that might occur or weren't um, made conscious of their gender identity, um, they performed just as well as men and boys. And this evidence has been found for women and girls of all ages, but it most clearly starts to emerge in middle school. And I think that's a very interesting finding for us at OCR, as this is, of course, the age where we start working with the children or have an influence throughout um, through our examination material. After the 2019 A-level results, it was revealed that this is the first year that the number of females studying core science subjects at A-level was greater than the number of males, with 50.3% of science exam entries coming from girls. So it kind of seems like the balance is improving. Why do you think more girls are now taking part in science subjects? I think there has been a lot of work across the whole system, actually, over probably five to ten years, probably about ten years, about trying to increase... Um, uh, the engagement of girls in science. And this has taken place across the curriculum as well as what exam boards have done in terms of the assessment. So, for example, about looking at the curriculum in science, making sure there are positive female role models, um, such as Rosalind Franklin covering those in, in some of our A-levels, but also looking at the types of assessments um, that we have. Um, as well as that, there's been some great campaigns like the Crest Awards, but also Wise Women in Science and Technology that's really has raised the awareness of women's success and contribution in science. And, you know, as OCR, we've been looking very much at our specs and also the resources, the supporting materials that we have to make sure that we're including positive uh, female role models in them. So what still needs to change in science education? What more can we be doing as an exam board? What more can schools and teachers and us as individuals do? So for all of us, and I think this applies very generally across um, all realms of education, um, how would I feel of this with my daughter? Um, and call out bad and faultless behaviour at all levels and make sure we look, look, at, look out for unconscious bias to make sure everyone has equal opportunities. As a man, take paternity leave be involved at home and do get really involved down to buying the birthday presents. Within schools, work to remove that gender stereotyping from schools. We can relate science and engineering to traditional girls' interests as well. So thinking of cooking, following a recipe is scientific method. Knitting patterns, that's coding. And girls also enjoy computer games just as much as boys. It just may be different games they're playing. And I think as an example, what we can do is very much focus on making our assessments more inclusive and representative of the candidates who are taking our qualifications and the teachers who teach those qualifications. Um, and we are looking at ways we can make our assessments even more accessible. We've done a lot of work on that uh, with some of our GCSE science assessments. And we're doing some work of some future work in terms of making sure that we're ensuring gender balance in terms of our assessment we're also looking at how we can support um, schools with support material and really highlight some really good practice that we're seeing out in schools. So, for example, 
we've got a new GCSE computer science video which features Nicholas Chamberlain's school which talks about empowering female students and encouraging many females into computer science and they have achieved a 50-50 gender balance in terms of the candidates in that school who are taking computer science. Um, I think schools uh, can make science engaging and fun um, and look at the practical approaches of science and we're really pleased that at OCR we've seen that the practical study of science has increased with our new uh, specifications. And for universities and other groups, we should look at outreach. So, for example, both my daughters were involved with Chaos, which is a volunteer student group in Cambridge that goes out to festivals and to schools um, to really encourage parents and young children to engage uh, with science. Yes, I, I agree that um, all educational institutions can and, and should contribute, um, specifically by communicating that science is a subject that both boys and girls are interested in and both boys and girls can be good at. And Jill talked a bit about what we're doing in OCR. Um, I can maybe add a little to that. So I'm currently working on um, some, some research because um, our aim is to communicate in our examination papers and practice materials um, exactly that, that this is for boys and girls. And what we're looking at currently in the research is um, at the item context. In item context, we often have protagonists or images. And what we're currently trying to do is to make sure that we have um, an even gender balance, but also we're looking at ethnicity of protagonists and images so that both boys and girls um, feel that they are represented in our papers and materials. And um, we are absolutely committed to, to getting a better balance there if it turns out that we're not quite there yet. Um, also in the item context, what we are um, looking at are the themes of the item context. So often, especially in math, um, there's a theme such as football or, or dancing or something that the actual content is set in. Um, and we're also trying to make sure that we have... Um, and even representation there of topics that boys might be more interested in, girls might be more interested in, or even choose topics um, that are gender neutral in that regard, just to make sure that our items are not more accessible to one demographic group than to another. And more broadly, uh, in terms of educating ourselves, um, what we're also doing at Cambridge Assessment at the moment is developing a um, diversity strategy um, I'm, I'm part of the working group developing this strategy and the aim is, of course, to, to raise awareness across all of our employees that this is a topic that matters. Um, in the same way, we're also planning um, to train our assessors who are also involved in developing products um, in, in diversity issues. So why is it important to have gender diversity in science? I think it's important... Um, for, for all of society that we have more girls in science because by, by not having girls in science we are significantly reducing the talent pool um, and then we're really missing out and then slowing down um, scientific progress and I think in our generation and the next generation we um, have huge problems to solve such as climate change and everything related to it and I think we just want to make sure that we have all the talent we can get to solve these issues. We're clearly going in a positive direction, but there's a lot we can still do to support participation in science subjects and lots to think about. Thank you, Jill, Anne and Antonia for your time on this International Day of Women and Girls in Science. Thank you for listening to the Cambridge Assessment podcast. You can find all of our podcasts on the Cambridge Assessment website. Just search Podcast Gallery, or you can find us on YouTube or wherever you usually listen to your podcasts. <laughs>